0: I'm Jennifer Ackerman-Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. Well, if you
1: couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing, and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Well, if you're going crazy... Craft sanity, craft sanity, art and craft creativity, interviews of people who make they are here to help keep you safe. Craft sanity, craft sanity, craft sanity. Hello
0: and welcome to episode two hundred and eight. This is another art prize edition of Craft Sanity. On this episode, I'm going to bring you a conversation that I recorded during Art Prize with Gloria Kirk Hanna, a fiber artist who is creating work out in Grand Haven, Michigan. Her work is on display at Parliament, the boutique on South Division in Grand Rapids. So, if you are a local West Michigan resident and you haven't checked out Art Prize yet please do go over and have a look. I am going to post some photos of the work on my website as usual, so if you missed it or can't get there, I'm not giving you much time because it's about to end. By all means, you can head over to the website and check it out. And this episode, I think it's uh, fitting that it's the last one in the series of Art Prize interviews that I've recorded because I... I'm just basically airing these in the order that I recorded them. One of the things that's very striking about Gloria's work is that not only is it stunningly beautiful, but the story behind it is, I mean, there's loss and heartbreak and, you know, so much emotion that is wrapped up in her artwork. It is a great example for the rest of us of, you know, when we're down for the count and it feels like Everything is just too much. And I know we've had recent events happening that are just violent and awful. And there's just so much bad news in the world that some days it does feel hard to get out of bed for many of us. So um, what I really love about Gloria's work is that she has found a way to kind of use that artistically, use all that emotion and put it back out there in the world in a very beautiful display. Uh, her installation at Parliament is really stunning, and I think you're going to really be able to take something from her story and hopefully apply it to your own life, especially if you're feeling like you're struggling a little bit, and we all do at times. Uh, we laugh a lot. Uh, I don't want you to think that, you know, this is going to be a really super depressing story. I don't know. Maybe we're laughing inappropriately. Um, we, we were kind of punchy. We did recorded an interview kind of early and I have not gotten a lot of sleep during Art Prize and Gloria certainly probably hasn't gotten a lot of sleep since she's actually in it. We were just two moms talking about art. I really enjoyed the conversation and I, I think you're gonna like it too. So grab a project and settle in and I'll bring you that conversation with Gloria Kirkana. Tell us what the name of your piece is in Art Prize. And it's not a piece, it's pieces. It really is. It's an installation that has many components. And what are you calling
1: it? It is called "fragments of old bones, new soul."
0: Okay, so that sounds like this is very deep. "Fragments of old bones, <laughs> new soul." No, I mean I'm not. I'm definitely not making fun of it or anything like that. I mean, I love it. It's fantastic. Um, but can you explain? We're like all laughing at like at everything this morning. <laughs> Everything's hilarious yeah, right now. Um, so, what is the meaning behind <laughs> this, the name of this piece?
1: It's about life walking around like a peeled grape and being okay with that and just moving, moving through life. And, and, and at the end of it all, just choosing love. It's like, it's like these seasons and these, these things that we go through as we get older. And by the way, they're, they're like compound fractures. They just keep coming in these amazingly heavy layers for me recently for the last five years, actually mm. <laughs> it's a little overwhelming. Yeah. But um, at the same time, it's, you know, it, it's what has to happen to grow yeah it has to be mended and tended and taken care of and then at the end you can walk on it and hopefully hopefully it's a little bit stronger than it was before and so that's kind of that the idea behind the show is that that same kind of concept like
0: yeah well you've made something (laughs) so beautiful I mean it's so beautiful and uh, you know I walked Mm -hmm. in and I told you before we got started that when I walked into your venue I was expecting to see one really large piece because i had seen that online i don't know if it was your instagram feed or parliament's or which one but i saw like a piece and i'm like oh i really want to see this and then i walked in and there's so many pieces like uh, how many are there how many sections do you have
1: there are 17 panels
0: so it sounds like the last five years have been difficult and i mean do you care to talk about anything that led you to create this very stunning and beautiful work
1: the struggle is mostly like what's too much information and what you know, and then and and then also knowing like if somebody can hear part of my story and bits and pieces of it, we'll get them get them through till tomorrow. You know. Oh yeah, that's, that's the mean, struggle that I have. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I think we've had on this in the history of the show, um, I've had people go to some really um, unexpected. Like I'll be interviewing someone that works really bright and shiny, and it turns out that they've had a really dark period in their life and they're like, yeah, not to be the Dorothy Downer, you know, and then they tell the story and I (laughs) said, you know, no, I've actually had a woman say that. And then she said something very terrible after that. And, and I was like, Oh my gosh. And then, but the nice gift she gave, all the listeners and that she gave to me is that it's one more testament that you can get up the next it's, I mean, it's hard. It's so, so hard, but you can get up the next day and just put one foot in front of the other and just,
1: keep going
0: so getting back to you the whole purpose of the interview
1: <laughs> i guess the installation itself started i was getting ready for 2012 art prize i just had my third son he was about seven six and a half seven months old i was gotten an artist grant um to do this installation i was super excited i was working with one of my absolute all-time favorite people heather robinson um who is yeah, I know Heather. I can't remember. Yes, I can't. Re- help me with her her second last name. <laughs> oh, you know
0: what? I'm gonna look it up right now. It's Heather Robinson Schlutel, and I say the yeah. name probably incorrectly, especially at eight o'clock in the morning. Okay, so you were working with Heather.
1: Yeah, um, and then and then my bottom drops out of my world. My husband at the time had decided that he wanted to separate and then subsequently divorce. Actually, it was oh. a straight up divorce. Oh, jeez. Um, and yeah, I I um I pretty, I lost it. <laughs> did you see that coming?
0: Did you have any idea?
1: And no, I did not see it coming at all. I actually I had thought I thought, okay, I think you know, we we're I think we were twelve years, fifteen years together, twelve years married. I was like, Okay, I, I think we've got this down. I think we've got I think we're gonna make this. Yeah. Um, literally. So yeah, I was kinda of blindsided. Um Oh my goodness! But I, you know, I just had that baby, so I missed a lot of the signs. I'm sure.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, because it, yeah, it requires um, like a part, a big, huge part of our brain dedicated to that baby. Yeah,
1: and then at this that same day, I had lost the venue that I was hoping to get. Like, I didn't get connected with it, which meant I had oh. to build a whole another infrastructure to do this installation. It was going to be amazing. At any rate, the fabric was left on the wall for a few years. Um, and then my studio was actually in one a grand skein in the basement of a grand skein for that time period. Um, and when they closed, I had to move my shop, my my workspace. Um, and so I, I, I just kept looking at that fabric every once in a while. And when I went to, to pack up my space, I was started pulling it down and putting it in a box separate from everything else because... No, my intention was still to get that work done somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had this, this intense energy that I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty amazingly powerful stuff. I said to myself, when I unpack it, maybe it'll, and put it back in with the rest of my stuff, all, it'll become a little less powerful. And it didn't. So at that point, I had called up my dad who was the owner and operator of Aunt Dove's Hall of Recent Memory in Willow Creek, Montana, just outside of Bozeman. And I knew the space because I I'd shown there before. And I said, you know, this this fabric is just, it's screaming at me, and this is what I want to do. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. And we picked a month to do it in, and, and the intention was to fill up this room. It had three different entrances, and um, I went through a whole... Time frame where I was working again. My son was a little bit older. The other two were in school, and I was able to get a little bit more time in and working. I don't think I ever really completely stopped, but it definitely was really dark and really hard.
0: And how much time passed during, between when you, you know, stopped? Because you didn't do Art Prize that year, is that correct?
1: No, I did not. I did not do Art Prize that year. I want to say it was two years that had passed before I had actually done any kind of artwork per se. I I do scarves and things like that, the same kind of method, but those are like, you know, just energy being put out there, if you will.
0: You're a long-arm quilter as well. Like, I mean, that's, um, yeah. do you quilt for other people? Like, do you, to make an income, is that how you make an income aside from your own artwork? Yes. Okay, so were you doing that during that two years?
1: Were you quilting people's quilts or...? I was trying. I'm, I'm, when I say I was a mess, I was trying to do that, but I was just botching people's work, and I couldn't. Um, I couldn't take on on work if I kept screwing it right, up for
0: right. So you were just yeah. Because I think um, I mean going through something like that. I mean that's just especially if you don't see it coming. Like I mean because I've been married, you know. To my I mean, if my husband came to me and heaven forbid, I mean, I don't even know what I would. I honestly don't know what I would do. Um, so I can I can see where you know you're. And that's your whole, I mean, for me, I mean, I don't have, I gave, I scaled back, so I don't even have a full-time income with benefits, you know, and I think a lot of women are in that situation. So our spouses come to us, we're going to be, you know, yeah. So did you have any, like a job or anything to fall back on that was like benefits and all that stuff?
1: When we decided to have a family, we wanted one of us to stay at home. Yeah. Um, that's and what a lot and, of people do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was the best thing for my kids. And I wanted to give that gift to my son. And so, um, I set myself up in a space where, I mean, I was pretty poor, not going to lie, but I had some amazing people around me at that, at that time. And, and they, um, they came in and they really made it possible for me to, to live that dream for my, my son. I did really try to work, but I, it just, it was really tough.
0: So are you still in Grand Rapids, the Grand Rapids area at that point?
1: Well, yeah, I had been living in Hopkins, of course, you know, in a divorce, financial situations changed. so we lost the house, um, and I moved in um, with a friend of mine, actually their family, my middle son's best friend, also, um, they were, uh, she was the owner of Hopscotch Children's Store. I had a room for my boys and a room for myself, and we had a living room, and, um, Basically, our own wing of the house, and we shared the kitchen, and it was probably—it's essentially communal living, and it was amazing. Like, I mean, we didn't share dinners because I'm gluten-free and they're not, and right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. But it was an amazing experience, and really a, a wonderful thing for me to be able to be, just have the presence of other adults who are there to support, um, like all the time, like that's. You know, I don't always get that. Like, I was living with them, and I could, you know, I was <laughs> two days without talking to a human being, and be like, Rachel, come home! I'd scurry out of my bedroom. Yeah, upstairs. yeah, um, good for
0: her. Yeah, and that's that's a huge yeah, thing but, too to have someone open their home. And how how long did you yeah. live with them?
1: Uh, we were there for two years. It was good, and it was, but it was time to move on. Sam had, was able to start school. I had met somebody um, kind of in the middle of all of that. And I was doing a lot of work. I went I went back to Mars Hill and um was doing a thousand blessings. And I think that thousand blessings um I don't know if you're familiar with Anne Volscape or something. Um I've heard of this
0: I've heard of this, but if you want to explain it just for people that so we're all on the same page
1: here. So um A Thousand Gifts was a poetically written book that she just talked about her own journey and how she would take pictures of, you know, the light that would come up in the morning and cast this shadow on things or just things that she found amazing or awe inspiring or beautiful. Um, and so I kind of took that practice and I would I would give myself at least three and I actually made my kids do this as well. <laughs> <laughs> They weren't very happy with me. But three to five things a day, at, at least. Um, and I would either record them down or I wouldn't, but they would still kind of be there. So it's very purposeful and very um, open and always looking at those just gifts that are given um, every day. Regardless of what you believe in or who you believe in, um, There, we just live on our planet that just just, Does amazing, natural, beautiful things. Um, You know, I think at one point I was on the hike in the middle of the night, and it was freezing cold out. And I was standing over the top of this little bridge, and I could hear the tink and the trickle of the water that was not frozen in this tiny little stream. And I just stood there and I lifted my face up to the sky and put my arms arms out to the side and just listened and and breathed. it really is about that simple stuff.
0: Did you find that this helped you just get back to a
1: place where you could be creative again? It was lighting the path. When I get hurt, I tend to go, Oh, that, that smarted a little bit. Yeah. And then I, and then I get up too soon and try to, to, to walk <laughs> right. or run. Yeah. Yeah. And not give you yourself said. time yeah. to deal. Yeah. Looking back at that installation, I did a couple things. I started to practice. Saying like, you know what, these you're gonna get enough done to get enough done. You know, instead of getting in a stressed out eddy, you're just gonna work when you can work and you're gonna be honest about when you can work and you're just gonna get done what needs to be get to get done and it's going to be enough. And you just have to trust that. So, um, which is really hard to do. <laughs> right, no it is. I want to make more I want to make more no it's not the vision it's not it's not what's in my head I need to get more out there so there were a couple of other things during that time frame that I that I so worked on but that's the one that stuck out the most and then when the time came I packed up my car and my kids and we drove out to Montana and it was a long, hard drive. Actually, I think this time I did it in three days instead of two. <laughs> oh wow, that's even fast. I got though. smart. <laughs> yeah, got there a week before the installation and started almost immediately to work. Um, and my dad um, was helping me with the installation, and we were we were ruffling each other's feathers. And finally, he stepped away, and and I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. and It was the day before the uh, the opening. Um, and I finally I just went to bed. I said to myself, All right, this is just it's not working. Whatever you you're doing, it's not working. Go to bed and get up and start fresh. <laughs> oh wow. The <laughs> yeah. day of the opening. Oh my word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was it was at night. So I had, you know, I had five to six hours and um and I did it and I got up and it it all just worked. I mean, it was done in an hour or two of finishing the install and making it look the way that I Wanted it to look, so it was a really amazing experience, and um, and I chose that space because of the light, the way the light came in from the windows um, and cast these amazing shadows, and and I had I had um, set it up in a spiral um, with light in the middle, like light panels in the middle, hanging vertically. <laughs> <laughs> I visually re- like. You you have to, to yeah you have to recreate or, it, to to recreate it you... yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm visual highly visual anyway and then um and then the panels were, were hung in a spiral on on wires and they went from the light all the way out to the dark and you could see through these different layers um, and it just looked like a tornado
0: and the, what kind of materials were you using um, the same panels, but
1: I had also added like straw, plastic bait, hay bales, so there's hay on the floor, and then uh, birch trees kind of dispersed throughout, and uh, one of my dad's friends, this amazing printmaker and artist called Jerry Rankin, made these three, he called them satellites, to hang in the, in the thick of it all, and it was good. It was perfect. It was, they were They were sunflowers, and... Um, dried sunflower stalks and sunflowers and paper and they were pretty amazing. So um, that was a great gift from him to get for that installation. And so, it, I, you know, it was a success in my mind. I was
0: like, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> did you used to live in Montana, like with your with your dad, or did he move there kind of separately from you? Like, yeah, separate.
1: Um, I actually grew up, grew up in Oregon, and he lived in the Bay Area, um, and we would go down. To to San Francisco Bay Area, um, and spend you know vacations down there with him, and then he just uh, decided like once San Francisco started shifting towards more live workspaces, and it wasn't the city that he remembered it, and he went on a search for another space out in Montana, so that's how he got out there. But the people that had come were th- uh, this amazing community that my dad had built up and I did know them because I had gone to his space enough times and gone to several openings. So I I knew quite a bit of his community as well. Um and I actually now have some mutual friends that that we share. That's awesome. And yeah, and the idea was like the idea behind it all was this that we're, there's light in all of us. It's usually kind of close towards the center of our core, but it's in there. And then, you know, the, the, the further on out from the body you get, the, the darker some of us can get. Some of us are a little darker than others, (laughs) (laughs) but we all have, you know, that, that darkness and it's, and we carry it on our outsides, I think. So that's kind of what that show is about. And, um, Lots of walks on the beach because that's my grounding. Water is my grounding kind of force. It is amazing um, what
0: water can do. Just hearing the water.
1: I actually went to the beach before I installed cause I was uh, this installation because I was just so nervous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and then did that help you? Like just to kind of calm down and oh, go back.
1: Yeah, it did. It totally. It always does. Like I should just go there every day and. How long were you in Montana? For You were
0: there, there for an opening. Did you stay for a while?
1: or That would have been the norm. I would have stayed there for a month or so. Um, but I was, I was on a schedule. Dad was gracious enough to let me have my boys for three whole weeks. So we were out there for roughly about two and a half, three weeks. It's been nice to get back into the world of showing. I, however, did not jump. Like, I, I felt like that was my platform to jump back into this, to the art world. And it wasn't. It was too soon. But it was really lovely to do.
0: <laughs> and what what um, made you aware of the fact that you couldn't just jump back in? There are a
1: handful of things. Like my family was in, in a very intentional decision to start building. I just wasn't able to give enough time to the boys as I felt like they needed, and I and then also to get enough work done. And financially, I wasn't, I still wasn't in that space where I could. I could do show entry fees and things like that. I had been doing weekend shows and I had been traveling just two or three day shows and, and my time was just not there anymore. Well, if um, you
0: can explain to people what you sell when you go to shows, what you're making? Because I don't, I don't think we covered that yet.
1: Um, so shows, you know, I have wearable art. Uh, so I drop spindle a lot of, of my own yarn. And add it to these um pieces. So they're shawl well, I've done a couple cablets. I haven't really done any, any shawls, but scarves, cowls and things like that. Um, but I'm also doing the big art pieces as well. And they're and they're fine art pieces. So it's a really kind of strange mix. Like the idea is like if you want one of my art pieces, well you can't really afford it, you can always get one of these scarves.
0: <laughs> no, when you would go to shows, did you have the fine art Pieces there alongside the yes. scarves, or did you? So you did. Okay, so you were probably. Yeah. So I
1: would. I was going to so just go say ahead. you
0: were probably doing more higher end
1: shows, for the most part. Yeah. Yes. I am. Um, yes, I was. Um, With expensive. And of course, fees. the booth fees are more expensive right. for those as well. I did a show that same time frame, um, and I did not make my booth fee back. I was like, okay. Oh, that's crushing. Yeah, I'm I'm just. (laughs) I'm not. I'm clearly am not ready to to be here because this was too big of a hit, and I was working it too hard, and I looked way too needy, and it was just not a good thing. (laughs) People people can smell fear on you. Oh
0: boy, yeah. Well, yeah, and sometimes Uh, uh, sometimes shows even in a good venue. There's sometimes when it's just a flop you know, um yeah you know, for a variety of reasons and it sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with us personally, you know. So you decided at that point I'm just gonna, you know, kind of give myself more time.
1: Yeah. And in that time frame too, I was also dating so one particular human being <laughs> who I then that's how I actually got out to Grand Haven.
0: Yeah, so how did you meet this person?
1: It was in a um it was in a group it was a divorce care group, which I, I don't necessarily recommend. It's not probably, like, it's like meeting somebody in a bar. You just don't want to meet somebody in a bar, right? Like, that never works out well, I don't think. Well, I, don't, I don't know. I've never dated anybody from a bar. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I haven't either. But but I know people who swear by it. I'm like, well, all right, that works oh. for you. You know, whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm too much of a control freak to even hang out in a bar for very long. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah i'm just kind of losing control here i cannot be here anymore yeah no i i yeah it's just not yeah i've never been intoxicated so you so you're in a, a support group for the divorced folks and met someone and i hated him immediately
1: I, <laughs> <it's> like, he,
0: <laughs> no so basically you're saying you don't recommend going to a uh we support groups are great you're saying but don't go there and and then date someone that you immediately that you kind of hated at the beginning <laughs>
1: I don't recommend it. So, you know, I, you know, one of my best friends, I kind of, that's how I, I meet them. I, uh, my dad taught me and like, listen to your first instinct, but don't necessarily trust it. Give them a couple more chances. You never know what's going on in their lives at that point. So, so I did like, and I didn't even, I didn't even know he was there. Like there were, there were months that went by. I had no idea that he was there. I just didn't know until he opened his mouth. And I didn't like what came out and I told him.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, so he like spoke in the group and then you immediately responded yeah. in the group?
1: Yeah. So you, he point, said something. He didn't really
0: care for me either. Oh, goodness. And so um, do you remember what he said? <laughs> what set you off?
1: Um, I think he had said, you know, somebody in the group had said, don't you wish that your ex-spouses could hear this program? And Dan had said, yeah, I, I do. I just think it would be great. For her to be able to, you know, come and listen to this stuff and and learn some stuff, I immediately said, I don't think that's okay. <laughs> 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 I thought it was a little controlling, but <laughs> <laughs> and I said, we all, I said, we all know that, you know, it even says it in the literature that we hear different pieces of this based on where we are at in the process, and so you know. That's I just no. I don't think they'd get anything out of it. I was just I was just like and I had I I had I at that point was really quickly I was just not in a good space. Well, I was it's, really well, <laughs> I was at my angry part. And did he respond
0: to you or look at this lady who was kind of upset about the whole situation? I mean was he did you guys have any interaction after that? Like uh Uh not a lot. No. <laughs> 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 he didn't ask you out right after no. that <laughs> no he did not <laughs> oh my word so what happened next
1: so i think then then a couple of times later like i was I must have been a couple months later he was telling me his story um and what had happened and of course i didn't let him finish i'm just you know this mousy broad that was just his ex at the time was Uh, he was talking about them um, she had wanted to reconcile and I just like and you didn't do it I was like dude there's some of us in this room that would you know that are given that chance that are not given that chance or that luxury and I just can't believe that you didn't take take that other extra chance so it's still a hopeless romantic right like right right (laughs) Um, yeah, that didn't go over very well either. And then I did listen to the the very end of the story, and it all made sense. You know, like if you just shut up and listen to the end. <laughs> right. He had a reason. Get, he had a reason why he didn't
0: want to reconcile.
1: Yeah, and it was a
0: really good one. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I think that was the that was the other the next interaction, and then all of a sudden, then it was summertime, um, and the group didn't meet during the summertime, so we did this kind of um, end of the the session um, bonfire with a lot of us. And <clears throat> it was kind of creepy because like, I'd look up and he was by the fire. And then I'd go away and I'd look up and he was in the house. And I'd go away <laughs> vice versa. Like, we just kept showing up where the other one wasn't. I mean, it's not like it was that hard, right? Like, right. It was Memorial Day weekend. We were going to do a barbecue on the beach. And it was really, really, really cold. And we were the only two that showed up, and we sat and we talked for hours and hours. The day just disappeared, and then we separated and went our ways. And I said, "Well, I'm gonna walk on the beach," and it's raining. <laughs> He's like, "You're crazy." I was like, "Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm gonna go." <laughs> <laughs> and it was good, <laughs> and then we just, um, and then we kept talking every day, like you know, on the phone or on. Chatting on Facebook or things like that, and it, and then it just evolved. And then uh, right before I went out to Mon- Montana for my show, he actually asked me to marry him. This is a year or two later after we had. And he said that we weren't dating, and I'm like, totally, we were totally dating.
0: <laughs> oh, so he he thinks that he went from not dating you to asking you to marry him
1: in his version well, he, of this. He, he, he yeah, in his version, he thinks. We weren't dating when we actually were dating. And, um, and so, you know, I think we were probably dating for a couple, a couple of months. And, and when he decided that we were dating, was you know, that was for a year from that point, then he asked
0: me to marry him. <laughs> oh, goodness.
1: <laughs> roughly around there. Yeah. Well, that's really yeah. funny
0: how, you know, you have a different, <laughs> different versions of the same story. But well that's lovely, though, yeah. that you met somebody. He sounds like a nice man.
1: Uh, yes, he is. He's a very nice man. He tries really hard. And, and having a blended family is not faint of heart. I will I'll just put that out there. Yeah,
0: because you um, have, you had, wait, did you have one son from your first marriage? Is that?
1: Three.
0: Oh, yeah, you had three. I'm so sorry. Three. Yeah, I, Okay, so my math, yeah. is, I struggle with math. Can you tell? Okay, so three, <laughs> th- three and all boys? Are they all boys? All boys, yeah. Okay, so three sons. And, and how many children does he have?
1: He had two sons.
0: Okay, so you guys now are a party of seven. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is a lot of kids. What is the age
1: range? Currently, the age range is five. My Eli is 12. And Ben is 14. And Bradley is 15. I had to think about that for a second. Their birthday is kind of like quickly coming up, so or just had. <laughs> and then, um, and Matthew is 18. So he is he is not in the house. And actually, the boys knew each other before we even knew we existed. Really? How did the boys know that each was, other? Yeah. Well, um, so the same group had a uh, support group for kids too, which is the, the reason that I, I hunted it out. I mean, friend of mine told me about it and said it, and it was probably the best thing for her kids to be in a group of kids. We're all going through the same thing and and then help them to put a different perspective on it and remind them that, you know, divorce is not their fault and they didn't take a part in it and kind of put some logic behind some of their emotions and things.
0: When you you guys decided to blend your families, was that a difficult thing to tell your kids that or did they kind of see that coming?
1: Actually, they knew, my kids at least, knew that we were dating before we told them. They kind of figured it out. And so we decided to take them to an apple orchard and go picking as a group and then tell them kind of that that's, oh, no, I think we told them separately. And then we all got together and went to the apple orchard. I can't remember that sequence. And and they were good. They were okay with that idea that we were dating because they're like, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. I already knew. Yeah. it was up. Um, and then... He had asked my dad, he's kind of old fashioned. Um, he asked my dad uh, if he could or any if he was okay with that. And he also asked my boys first, um, if that was okay, if they were okay with that. He oh, was so, before, so
0: before he, before he asked
1: you. Yeah. That but
0: is nice. And
1: he, yeah. He did it. He did it quickly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like they were in one room not, and then he, uh, he asked them quickly and then stepped into another room to propose.
1: No, I think it was probably like they were on their way to the other parents' house because we, we had the same weekends and things. Oh, so, I see. Okay. Um, I, at least I think, because I can't imagine that my kids would be able to hold that in for very long but... Oh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so we came out to Grand Haven because he lived in Byron Center. I was in Cascade. Obviously, they couldn't move in with Rachel and and we call him Mr. Z. Um, and their family, so. <laughs> <laughs> what do you
0: mean we yeah, you couldn't move, for... you couldn't move, you know, a, 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 another family of a man and more kids into your house? <laughs> <laughs> right. that would fly very well. <laughs> and we would outnumber them. <laughs> yeah. So you so, decided to
1: move. Yeah. Um, and. So the, the market started just going through the roof at that same time frame. So he put his house on the market. It sold in a day, literally. Wow. And he, we didn't have a place for him to go with his kids. Like, so, um, and everything was being snatched up before it was ever seen. It was, just, it was just that beginning insanity that's still happening, I think. Yeah, it is happening, um, yeah. So it wasn't happening in Grand Haven at the time. (laughs) So um, we actually came to our realtor's house and uh, met with her for a little bit. And then his, you know, his family was out here. We talked about it and we actually bought our realtor's house. (laughs) Really? (laughs) To make everything. Yeah. Was it for sale?
0: (laughs) It was for sale. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. It had been for sale for a while, but yeah. That's really clever that Um, that the realtor has uh, meetings at the house that's for sale. Be like, well, why don't you just stop by my house? By the way, it's for sale. (laughs) Um. (laughs) That's clever, Um, and
1: you know, and I said, I said to her, let's let's do some comparables in the area and take a look at what we what's going on before we actually commit to this. Like, if we're gonna be moving districts and moving. Yeah, let's let's make sure that we're just not moving into this house because it's available. Like we've got a little time. <laughs> and um we yeah, it's an old, old subdivision with really tall pine trees and um I'm not crazy of subdivisions. It fits what the boys need. Friends on hand and a community pool that I don't have to take care of and
0: Yeah, that's nice you have the benefit of yeah. the pool but not the upkeep. So yeah. is your studio in your space in your house?
1: Um it was. <laughs> it's not anymore. Um it was and I uh, quickly realized that it was it's it's you know through various different things like planning families like I said it's pretty tricky. And so it was pretty obvious that I needed to at least get get my machine out of the house for lots of different reasons but not excluding, like I, the kids still had super awesome access to me and I wasn't able to get anything done. Um, and then I get really quiet cause <laughs> this is the hard part. So if I ugly cry, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, my dad, um, had passed away oh, uh, in November. I'm so it was sorry. really, really, really sudden. Yeah. It was, um, he's, he was, you know, he was my person. He was my collaborator collaborator.
0: How old, was, how old was your dad? Uh, he was going to be 70 the next day.
1: Oh, that's not old enough. <laughs> so yeah.
0: Six, no, I'm sorry he to hear 69. that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. So, but he was able to make it out to my wedding and that was really great. Um, that was in the summer and then. What year was um, that? So that was the summer of? 2015. So the whole lot of layers to that story as well. My sister was in uh, Ecuador her family so they had to come back and I flew out to Oregon because he was actually at her house at the time working on it oh boy um for her so um so I it was I hadn't seen my siblings probably Eli was I think I was 10 12 years it was kind of this bittersweet time to get to see them and see how their lives are evolving I and mean, meet their kids. Cause I hadn't met their kids. And, but then also, you know, talk about my dad and <clears throat> I get to see him. And so that made it a little bit more real. I wouldn't advise it for everybody, but <laughs> like it was still, I think I was in, in, in denial or shock for, I would say a good year. He was also the bridge to my siblings too. So, um, I felt like I didn't just lose my dad. I didn't just lose my my collaborator. I didn't just lose my friend. I didn't, you know, I lost I lost that that connection to my my siblings too. So it's it's, it's still hard, still hard. <laughs> and and but in that time frame, I I learned that you know it's not something that you can get over like the death of a of a loved one. That that's so profound or anybody in your life that's that profound it's not something you get over you just you just learn a different way of living so I came back pretty much a mess and things happened I kind of in our life that also added and complicated that and then my son I think in um January was diagnosed with narcolepsy and um and I just chase that like I do anything and everything down I just chase that um, you know I I got put on the waiting list and instead of it taking three months for this to confirm a diagnosis that we suspected then it, it only took about two or three weeks that was a hard journey and then Dan's oldest son moved out and lived with went to live with his mom um, for various different reasons and uh, it's it's And that was in February of that same year. And then memorial service for my dad out in Montana, which was pretty amazing. Um, I, I, w- I went to his space and I hunkered down. I made a nest and I, and I thought it was going to be a lot harder than it was, but it was actually really, really super comforting to be able to be in his space. And I get to say goodbye to the community that he helped build as well. He was an artist as well. Yes, he was. He's a sculptor and a carpenter. And um, like, so he, I think he made these crazy antelope table and the back legs were longer than the front legs. And so it's clearly not a functional table, but really great. Right. <laughs> um, And it's just very organic kind of stuff with wood, organic feeling kinds of things with wood. he made a picnic basket. Based off of a, a competition that was a, a how to make this hate book um, into something lovely, and so he made this tall chest. It was I wanna say as tall as I am, and um, way wider than me, thankfully. <laughs> 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 and it, he it was on this little trolley system that he like the the furniture moving system, but it was an old old style furniture moving system, and it was an interactive piece um, where you would pull these. Drawers out, and there were these different pieces of like there was the spaghetti moon, and you can manipulate and look in this little peephole and make it dance, and the blocks of of this shredded book compacted into these tiny little building blocks. And another, it was just it's just an incredible. It was an incredible piece. Um, and where did yeah, that piece go? Where did his he work go? Did, is it in a collection it's, somewhere? Or? Um, he, so the complicated layer to that is that he did not have a will. I mean, he was, you know, who thought he was going to pass away so suddenly. Um, and so, um, all of that stuff is still in his space in Montana and, um, we still have not gone through probate. So that's been two years now. Oh Um, yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a really tough. Like I said, when I said, you know, I feel like a peeled grape. (laughs) That's probably why. Like, there's, and things would happen in layers of three to five. Like, it wasn't just one hard thing that would pop that bubble, that you know we build around ourselves. It was right. Oh man, three to five in a layer, Um, and so subsequently, like, there is no more bubble. You can't. There's not enough time to rebuild the bubble. Right, And, and then something else happens. Yeah, and and I've gotten to a point now where like okay, I don't think we're supposed to live in that bubble. I don't think that bubble's way too safe and, and it's okay to be raw and it's okay. It's okay. Because so dur- and during that time frame, it was really dark. I'm not going to lie. It was really, 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 really a dark, dark, dark time for me and um I had a lot of hard, I had a hard time working. I still tried but I had a, a really hard time working and then, and Heather Heather came alongside me um, and, from Craft Rap Studio um, and just gently, quietly nudged me, um, and I was able to go into her space, and it literally, it was like a respite. It was like the only place that felt safe and, uh, and beautiful and untouched by this yucky life <laughs> that was going on around me. Um, so it, it was really great to be able to... to to just walk in there and feel like I was coming home like I would when I would go to my dad's. Yeah. Um so uh I didn't go there as often as I had wanted but um and now they're in Jackson so I have to drive a little bit more <laughs> to go see them but I had a conversation with cause there's there's still there's still the splendid there's still all the ugly layers that are happening, you know, the estate and um, and various other things, and and, and um, I just down. Like it's really hard to to look at a thousand gifts when it feels like you're handed a lot, lot less than that. Right. Um, so I, ca- I I talk with her, and she's like, you "Just do the work. <laughs> just just do the work." And and I did, and she gave me. Um, a bio of another person to read that I, that the, ma- the name is slipping off the, off the top of my head, um, and I did, and yeah, she just always knows exactly what to say and when to say it and what kind of information to feed me. Um, it's
0: great that you have often. a friend like that. That's really really nice. And she's yeah, a, and she's I, an yeah. artist, so she knows. Yeah, <laughs> she knows about that whole emotional connection we have with our art and. How if you feel closed creatively and that's your way of expressing yourself, that's a real problem. So when you moved your space out of, this was after your father had passed away, and then you moved your studio out of your home after that. Is that, do I have that timeline correct? Yeah.
1: Before he passed away, I found this building that September and I loved it, but it wasn't available. Just the basement was. And I looked in the porch window and peered in. I was like, if this? You know, careful what you say to yourself, right? Um, if this space comes available, I am—I have to take it. I have to take it. So my dad passed away, and that spring, it was June. It was right around May or June. Um, I came back from Montana and continued looking for spaces, and that place was available. It's <laughs> wow. like okay, now how do I figure? How do I figure out how to make? swing this to me the light and natural light and space um and and the and the way it feels and on your skin is important it is equally important to what where you're what you're producing i feel like like it is, it has an influence um on me right well you also
0: see your work differently too than if it's like fluorescent lighting and you're in a basement and with no windows yeah it's like entirely different vibe <laughs>
1: So Dan and I looked at the space, and we looked at it with our the realtor that we bought our house from, (laughs) because she's awesome, Um, and uh, made a really tough decision uh, to open up a gallery. And um, for me, you know that that decision was it wasn't necessarily based off of what my dad had done, but it was based off the idea that he. He could see people's light, that internal light, and just pull it out and nurture it, just that light, and make it bigger than any of the darkness in those people, and give them the confidence to believe that they they could do what they were doing, which is is another key to that puzzle. It's really hard hard to believe in yourself when you're putting yourself out, out there all the time,
0: um, and so
1: so I took that idea and I turned it into myself and I said okay what is it that has always that has always been there what have I always gotten fired up about or was passionate about like what was the cause what, what was universal and it was it was about art in the public education system um, and you know watching it disappear um, and believing that it has a crucial role to play mm-hmm. and that as artists we have a crucial role to pick that ball up that has been dropped and take those kids and nurture them and show them how to believe in themselves and do their craft and, and all these other things. And so I felt like the best way to do that was to, to open up a gallery space. And I never completely got to fulfill that dream of, I, I wanted to start a mentor um, program with uh, working artists and students. And and pair them so that they can they can feed off each each other and then just watch just back away and watch that relationship happen. But there's so many like nuts and bolts to the idea, and then you know all these other layers that are happening um, with my kids. Just and the, and then the shop. It just I just didn't have enough at the end of the day to make it happen.
0: And so what did do a kids show? So when when did you open the shop then the the
1: art gallery? Um, so. Uh we opened in uh July. So we signed a lease in June and we opened in July of two thousand sixteen. Signed a year lease, took out a loan <laughs> for for the, the lease to to kind of write itself out. So hopefully we were gonna be able to, to at least make our rent. And we had twenty artists in there um at any given time, but roughly. It was, you know, it was a small little house with a great little fireplace, and we had shows every single month um I, a show would i had a specific space dedicated to show. It was like a nine by ten foot room. It wasn't anything super ginormous, but it was nice and intimate and it was dedicated um, space for that purpose. It was a lot of fun and a lot of work, and it was really emotionally taxing just because everything else was happening in my life too I'm trying to like I said, I jumped into things way too soon. Um, I was,
0: so did you feel like you were still grieving the loss of your dad still well, very strongly? Heck, yeah. yeah. And you're already jumping into something new Yeah, new. and, and yeah. it's public too. It's not like it was your space where you could just go and do your work. You had to be open for people to come and buy things so you could make rent and, and all that. So I right. imagine that was and tough.
1: That, yeah, that was the hardest part was it. I was getting consistent hours and you know and with kids ranging ages you know five to 14 and various extracurricular activities oh yeah you know and
0: sometimes they don't tell you what the activities are like the school won't give you doesn't give you the (laughs) schedule until then you're like oh wait this saturday we have to be where you know it's
1: Yeah. yeah 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 so it it made it um you know a young marriage blending a family a lot of life events stressful life life events happening kind of um really took its toll on on me i i definitely jumped in way too soon but it also propelled me and helped me move through that year like it gave me something to focus on the easiest way but
0: (laughs) did you have any help did you have like other people working with you or were you kind of keeping shop and doing your studio work all in one just you
1: yourself Dan was helping me and quickly came to the point where he was going to be doing the, the paperwork um, for it. And he, so he jumped right in and then he would cover the shop at, I think we were open three nights a week till like six o'clock or six thirty. And then we would take turns on the weekends kind of. And sometimes we'd bring the boys in and, you know, have a pizza night and play games or whatever, but that was it. That was, it. I did get an intern in May. And so that was really super helpful because, that was a really hard month. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That was a really hard month. She was able to help in that, in that regard. And that was wonderful. And then July came and it was clear that we were, cause Grand Haven's seasonal as far as the uh, merchandise goes. And so a lot of the, of the shop owners downtown would say, you know, just wait till the summertime and that's, you know, don't panic. The summer's not here yet. And we didn't still see it, uh, the numbers go up. So um, we were faced in July with deciding if we were going to sign the lease for another year and try it. Um, our, our money had run out. Right. <laughs> and We weren't, weren't even making enough to put a dent in, in our rent. Um, and so we made the, the really tough decision to move the shop into a, a, a much more expensive, affordable space about two miles away from our house, um, kind of on the outskirts of Grand Haven. So my machine is there. And the idea was to uh, to set up, um, set back up the the items from the other artists. Um, and then subsequently and quietly, I've been asking them just to come and pick up their, their work. Because I just, I think by, after our prize and everything else, we are going to probably have to shut it down. Mm. Just, it's, a whole lot of um really hard decisions to make but at the end of the day I think it's it's what's right for my kids and myself like and and after that decision has been made I mean I was I was able to create that installation like and not fret, and still have time for my kids so that managing other publicity for other artists um kind of been put by the wayside and has allowed me to be able to work on my own stuff. It right. sounds kind of selfish, but um
0: well, it's hard to promote others and yourself because yeah. you know what I mean, and do your own work. And it's just it's and two do it, different and things too.
1: Right. And I really felt like I was letting them down when I was working and you know when I wasn't working, I was letting myself down and when I was trying to to promote them and work myself I was letting my family down and so it was it was a really intense struggle and not, and again a hard decision to make but it just it's not the right decision for my it's not the right move for my family at this point in time they're just too young too young um, and again like so those so those channels that that are that are added like that installation is part of old bones, new soul from Montana. So that's hanging there. And then I added, um, I want to say eight or nine more panels to that, to that installation. And so it was really kind of a, a tricky thing to add new work to old work. And finally I just decided, you know what, it's supposed to be this way. It's supposed to look different. It's a progression. It's, it's just, it's a difference. And so I, I, you know, once I gave myself that freedom <laughs> to to let go of that, then that was great. The the panels, it's very surreal to me because I don't feel like they have come from me. Really, I don't you know look how the, to explain that. No,
0: I I've had experiences like that where you look at something, you're like, whoa. Yeah, it doesn't. So is it unlike a lot of your other work? Would you say? I mean, I, your techniques um, are recognizable. Like when I walked into the space, I could recognize that it was your work. But it does seem to, and I haven't seen every single piece you've made, but it does feel different than your other work.
1: I like to break rules, right? And so I've, this is, this technique isn't something that's really familiar to anybody. I don't know a whole lot of people working with it in this large of a capacity. Now, I am in Michigan and I can be very sheltered, so that being, that's my disclaimer, right? If you can explain Um, your
0: technique a little bit for people who don't know what you do, because you're combining some weaving techniques with long arm quilting. And I mean, there's just so many things that you're, you're combining. Uh, Can you kind of give the, um, you know, kind of the overview of what, how you approach your work and and what techniques you're using?
1: So, um, so yeah, I, uh, I have a, like you said, a long arm quilt machine. Um, It's a Gamel and it's about, 15, I can work up to 15 feet wide and, and, but I've only got 18 inches in front of me that I can work. And so I will load, I will load the machine like I would a quilt, but I'll load it with water soluble stabilizer and in a big roll. And so sometimes depending on the size of the piece, I might sew that stabilizer together to get what I want. If I know what I'm doing and what I want to do, like this last piece, I deliberately put it on the floor and I use these floor wax crayons to kind of mark off or block off places where I want specific things to do. Because the piece itself is five feet by seven feet and it's really easy to get lost. I can't see because it gets rolled on a roller. It just disappears. So I can't see the work ahead to kind of reference what I'm doing behind. So, So I blocked off this particular piece before I put it on the machine.
0: Are you going to have your studio back in your house now, or what, what is your plan?
1: I'm still trying to decide that, but that decision will happen by the end of October. I, I try to just kind of step back from trying to, to make that decision, just because I've been doing these two different shows kind of, and it's too much emotional stuff
0: to contend with. Oh, yeah, and, 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 and maybe, maybe you'll meet somebody during... These two because you're exhibiting an art prize, and also um what is it called in Grand Haven again, the show that's going on uh it's art walk art walk so you I mean with your work out there, who knows you might connect with someone and yeah. it, it leads you in a different direction, and I think we were actually talking about your process actually now that I think about it. You were talking about how you put the inner, um the water soluble material onto your long arm uh, machine, and then from there you start building layers let me just
1: say real quick about the installation. Like it dawned on me while I was up on that ladder and, and the, and the pieces that the way they're they're displayed right now is that it has always been my intention for them is to play with light and shadow and either have them backlit or forelit or just but off the wall and, and have the, the shadows because they, they give it, you're right, a different dimension and depth to it. That's, that's just pretty amazing not of me (laughs) um but so so i was so when i was hanging them i was just kind of chuckling and ooing and i'm like oh that's nice oh yeah that's good look at that look at that shadow right there and it dawned on me that i was i was installing with my dad like he was right there like that Mm. was he was he was he was in that room and he is still kind of hanging out and and so being able to install it that way and 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 to know that he is still there, like to be able to to play with him, in a in a way that I thought I had lost. Yeah, that's so, really
0: that's really nice yeah. that you had that feeling. As you're, it's just a big important show. Is this one of your biggest installations? Is this more work than you've put out and one time in the past, or is this?
1: Yeah, it is the largest. I did 2010, and I did a 10, 12 foot by 10 foot um, tree with seasonal panels in front of it. Um, and at that point, that was the largest piece, and then the installation at my dad's was the next largest, and then so this, yes, this, this is the biggest.
0: No, it really is um, lovely. I mean, it really, it, it, it you you've, you should be very proud of that because it is really, really well
1: done. Thank you, thank thank you. That <laughs> doesn't feel real, but it's like it, it's it doesn't feel real. It's just a, a lot of joy in it yeah
0: well that's good it's Um, good to come through all this and feel and to be able to create something that you can look at and be happy you know what i mean because you were constructing a lot of this during times that were difficult for you
1: that was the rule that i that i had set out for myself was like i am not going to ever again let life events dictate if i can work or not and so, you know, during this time, I am, when I walk into the studio and, and start working on these additional panels, I didn't check things at the door. Um, and I didn't stop them from, stop myself from thinking about them. I let things just happen. And, um, and then I think they're, they're wrapped up in some of the pieces somehow. I still feel like it's a dream. I still, it still feels very dreamy to me. I'm in surreal the whole just the installation and I don't want to say that I feel removed from it because that's not true uh but it's it's a it's a piece it's a piece I've not felt in a long time that's good yeah
0: and maybe that means that you're in a I mean you've healed in some way do you feel like this piece has helped you heal
1: in mourning you know you you go through this, this this intense detachment, like it's severed. Like somebody just caught you wide open and left your guts out for the crows to try and take away. And you, you just keep trying to shove them back inside right. and, um, and protect them so that the crows can't eat them. <laughs> um, and so to... To be able to on this end say, my dad was there during that installation, and and I can do this stuff with him. Like, I didn't lose that part of him. He is still there. I may not be able to physically have a conversation with him, um, but that doesn't mean that we still don't collaborate together in some way, in some level. So there's there's you know, and that's 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 my own, you know, those are my own. Feelings, And that's my own peace. And that's how his loss um, on this earth, his physical loss has settled inside of me. So there's definitely um, a, a huge, a huge amount of healing that happened and still is. I mean, it's not something that ever, it's not, I, it's not something that ever goes away, but, but I, I definitely feel like a stronger, more whole unit. <laughs> at the end of it yeah well that's
0: really it's it's I'm glad to hear you say that you know because it's it sounds like it has been really tough and you really did create something fantastic like out of something that has been you know just a hard situation so um and a series of hard situations so you know that that's um that's really what art is you know it's that thing that is an emotional expression of the artist and you've really accomplished that. Now, is this a, a work that are you selling these pieces or is this something that's part of your private collection?
1: Uh, no, the panels are for sale individual or in groups. I think there's one that probably won't be for sale, <laughs> but, and uh, it's the one that's over the, that spans across the sink and the countertop. Um, the one in the back I corner. Lot of, that's yeah, got that the great lot shadow behind. Yeah. Yeah that was not of me. That was a, I had looked, I put some stuff down and, and I looked at a a friend and I said, I am a simple conduit. (laughs) That's, that's all that is. So, so that one's kind of, I'm attached to that piece.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, you know what, you're entitled. You put all that, you put all that time and energy. (laughs) I think you get to decide if there's something you want to keep, you know, for those who are like, okay, I, I don't understand what she's, know what the layers are so it and it depends on what your you know what the piece is but you're usually working that water soluble on the on your base because you are actually you do take that you remove that so the layers that you're sewing together then stand on their own so do what are your basic you know you have your water soluble and what is that called again
1: it's just a yeah water soluble stabilizer um i don't use anything sticky at all to hold the fibers in place i'll cut the cheeks and silks anywhere from 10 to 15 layers at a time in these strips that are use a rotary cutter and a ruler and a, and a mat. And they're probably in, sometimes they're an eighth of an inch, sometimes they're a, a quarter of an inch or three eighths of an inch. And then I will lay them down and I can work up to 15 feet in length and 18 inches deep at any given time. But that, that 18 inches changes because it's on a, an, a, on a rolling system it just kind of rolls up and, like a quilt. And then um, when I lay those fibers out, I will quilt them. I'll put the top of water soluble on and I'll quilt them um, down. And I'll run the, the um, quilt in the opposite direction as the fibers are laid. Um, and that gives that kind of, when you talked about a connection to weaving, there is that connection, like it's, you know, the warp or the weft is, running opposite of each other and that's that's kind of the, one of the rules taken and kind of straight back and forth to sweeping motion
0: and that and that's what's catching it because that water soluble is going to be you know that's going to be gone so you're just trying to make yeah. sure those fibers are that's, connected enough to stand on their own and not flop over yeah. once they're you know that you you soak it so do you just soak it in water when you're done
1: um yeah so you I put, I'll fill up the bathtub and I'll, I'll just get them wet. And I actually leave a little of the soluble in like it's, it just, dis, it disappears, but it, it's and still it liquefies, but it, yeah, it's like a starchy kind of thing. So it helps the pieces, the final panels hold their shape. Um, and then I'll take them out and I have like a big, the puzzle piece maps that they use in gyms oh, yep. and things for floors. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's in my driveway you just lay them <laughs> and out. I will then block. Yeah. I'll lay them out and I'll block them. Um, and, and all the so knitters know what that means. Yeah. And quilters know too.
0: Yeah, actually, yeah. Quilters so, do quilters know too. Yeah. And so you're just going to, um, and do you like pin them down so they don't blow away? Cause they're not as heavy as a quilt. Do you have to, have you ever yeah. chased one down the street?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, not quite that. They they are all pinned down, but I have come out and some of the, the blocks that they're pinned to have kind of broken up or caught a, a chunk of wind and have folded up onto itself. And oh, I was like, wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because you don't want to block it incorrectly, like bent, weird, <laughs> awkwardly. So you're like, wow, well, that's not what I intended. Right. But I guess I'm a conduit again. The wind is my collaborator. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you just kind of go with it and just be like, yeah. yeah, well, I guess that's the way it's meant to be. But yeah, when you're but, tr- you go through yep. all that trouble. You do want them to lay flat.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my word. So and, I, and, and I'm and so when I'm pinning, there's like some there's places where there's you know five pins in an inch and a half time of space. So, oh my um, word. So you're you have sticky. a lot of pins. You have to have a lot of pins. Yeah. Yeah, and good pins, darn it? Do you use the
0: glass? The glass head pins.
1: Um, I actually like the glass head applique pins the best. Yeah, I, I started
0: they're... using glass, the glass head pins, and I love them. Now I don't want to use any other yeah. pins. No. And, <laughs> and it's kind of a problem because I don't have enough. Like I, you know, I right? buy them when they go on sale and then I'm like, oh, I still need more pins. And then I want to just get rid of my other ones. But I keep them around because I just don't have enough pins.
1: Right. Yeah. These problems, I, I these problems are you have. with
0: that. Yeah, I've kind of become a pin snob, which I didn't expect because I'm usually pretty easygoing with most things.
1: (laughs) Right? Yeah. No, there are definitely, there are things out there that you can be, pins, rotary cutters and mats and rulers. Absolutely. Be as snobby as you want. (laughs) Well, yeah, because I mean, they're
0: kind of core components to a lot of the, I mean, because if you have a bad rotary cutter, uh, you probably will need some stitches at some point or, you know, something's going to happen. Yeah. One of the questions I didn't ask you, and I do want to let you get on with your day and get back to work, because I think we've kind of doubled the amount of time that I told you, like, oh, yeah, this could be, and now <laughs> it's, like, double the amount. So I am I'm, I really am not trying to mislead you. Um, but what I You're want right. to ask you is, uh, did you train as a fine artist? Did you go to art school? And I, I read somewhere that you were painting with your grandmother when you were a kid and um, kind of got into this at a young age, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if I was reading the correct bio yeah. here. <laughs>
1: Yes yeah, that's that is true. I actually started sewing with my grandma i I think I was seven five, and I can remember this image is very clear. I grew up in Oregon. We were in her backyard on that really cool old patio furniture like that I just can't find anymore that and they don't make anymore anyway um sidetrack so and I was making this sear sucker white doll dress, it was literally just two sides, like the top of the dress, the arms and everything was just like, it, it takes the, the pillowcase kind of dresses oh, to an yeah. extreme, but Absolutely. it adds sleeves yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just hand sewing that with her. Um, and then she uh, taught us, my sister and I, a little bit more sewing. She tried to teach us knitting, but that never really stuck. I couldn't figure it out, but it's complicated to me. I I currently now knit, by the way, but, um, (laughs) so, uh, and then subsequently she was a school teacher, but she was also really, um, heavy into fine arts in, in my hometown, um, in my little community, um, called Gold Beach. And she, um, was pretty impressive, um, and ran community classes at night for art and painting and of course we took some and then she was also my grade school art teacher um oh that's which cool. was really an amazing thing and also not so great because <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know I got special treatment which was you know uh, it's really hard to to come into that um at any rate and then you know I had an amazing um high school art teacher uh Paul Renner who, um, you know, my junior and senior year of high school, I mean, that's all I did. I took art classes and really blossomed as far as that went. Um, but I didn't have the confidence that it takes. Uh, so when I went to college, I, was, I did a full year of drawing, intro to drawing and, and figures. And I think that that really propelled me forward as human human figure and learning how to draw the shapes that that we create and not necessarily the, the object that's in front of you. And then I took a, a college quilt course up in Alaska. That's probably, so I, I had a full year of, of community college in Oregon and then I went up to Alaska and took classes up there and did a quilt class up there. Cause it was always mesmerizing to me, fabric and texture and, and patterns and things like that. Um, and I remember as a kid, because I straddled the 80s and the, early, the late 70s, early 80s, there's still those, those patterns in the linoleum, and, and I would watch how, how frequently they would repeat. Um, and so I've always been extremely mesmerized. And then also I was supposed to be taking a nap, but don't re- really remember ever taking naps. <laughs> um, but instead looking at the patchwork quilt that I was supposed to be sleeping under and trying to see how many times that fabric was repeated in that particular quilt. Um, and that was, I must've been four or five at that point. I don't know. Um, somewhere around there. So, so this, so the art world and the, and the fiber world has always been, um, kind of interwoven in, in in my, my life. Um, but fiber was more comfortable. Like, you know, it, it brought me comfort as a kid and why wouldn't it bring me comfort as an adult? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, um, so I fell into the quilting world, uh, and started teaching pretty quickly after that moved from Alaska to New Jersey and actually started teaching in New Jersey, um, took a little hiatus. Now, like, it's safe to say that I threw pottery up in Alaska. Took some classes for drawing pottery and things like that. Too. Were these community classes, um,
0: or were these classes at a coll- at the college up there?
1: That those were, those were, college classes. Awesome. And it's and it was just a yeah, it was just a, a sweet little community college that um, um, was up there. I then moved to New Jersey and wasn't able to go right back to school because we needed to actually take care of our house and pay bills. Right. <laughs> so I started working um, at the Seeing Eye and fell in love uh, with, with what they do, which is like it's a they train guide dogs um, for visually impaired people. And I fell in love with being able to help the people out, like watching them walk in um, really kind of low and sh- their body language was tired and, um, and then watching them walk out with that, that dog and they were, they were upright and they were excited and nervous and <laughs> everything else. Um, so I chased that dream down instead of going back to school. Um, I chased it down for four years, got an apprenticeship, um, at the end of those four years. And then subsequently. Uh, we decided to start a family. So I never finished my my guide dog apprenticeship in Jersey. Um, instead, moved out here and, and had my first son. Um, still teaching classes. Uh, I, taught, I taught classes out in Jersey, quilt classes, to kind of get kind of teaching experience and add that to my resume. And then continue, continue to teach classes that started at the Grand, up in Grand Rapids, which is now no longer. And <laughs> I was teaching while I was pregnant, and I ended up having to uh, have somebody else take a class because I actually delivered early. Oh, boy. Child came early. <laughs> that's, my, that's my Eli. <laughs> Always early. <laughs> um, and then left and kind of puddle-jumped puddle jumped around to teach classes, um, and in the interim just started growing my art career and, and confidence as an artist. I didn't think I had enough talent to be an artist. I didn't believe that I was capable of being an artist. Um, and so fiber, you know, again, it was comfortable and, um, I was familiar with it and I knew its parameters and, um, I stopped running from being an artist and turned around and embraced it. And, and that's where I am today.
0: And if you look at your work up on up installed in Parliament, the boutique, it's a pretty awesome place that you've arrived at as an artist. So that's got to feel pretty good.
1: Yeah, it does. It's 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 pretty amazing. I, it's funny. I used to like cringe. I couldn't I couldn't say the word artist, and now I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's what I do. Well, congrats
0: on getting to that point because that is a hard place for Thanks. people to get to. It's a really hard place for yeah. people to get to. Do you have any advice for others out there who might not be at that point that you're at now where they've kind of, you know, come out the other side and they're like, yeah, I'm an artist. I'm. What advice do you have? What do you wish you could tell your younger self as far as, you know, having confidence and just going forward with what you were born to do?
1: I think I would tell myself a whole lot because that's how I roll. But <laughs> you know, I don't want to say believe in yourself because that's such a cliche and it's such an easy thing to do. But there's no roadmap for that, right? Um, and and so I think I think I think at the end of the day, you know, just as as Heather would tell me, just do the work, and I will add, and your work will evolve into what it's supposed to be. And then also add, you know don't don't take it personal if people don't don't enjoy what you do because there's somebody else out there that does and will There's somebody else out there that that believes that you're giving gifts of yourself out into that world um, and as artists like we're given this boundless amount of energy and intense emotions um. And, you know, it's, I think we're given those things as actual gifts and not negative things. I think we're given them as gifts to, to extend those gifts out to, to the universe and whoever else will watch or listen or look or experience.
0: I've really enjoyed our conversation. And I, I don't know if there's anything that I didn't ask you that you want to say.
1: So Parliament the Boutique is on 136 South Division in Grand Rapids. Um, and they have an installation as well. They've just been so gracious. They're amazing people to let me just kind of take over their, their workspace. I mean, literally I was in there for two days installing and they, they worked around me and, 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 and helped when I needed help. So, and they're, they just have some great textiles and leather work as well. So they give, give big props and kudos to them because they're doing, they're doing it.
0: Thank you so much. And I will let you get on with your, I know you're busy and thank you again for doing this interview <laughs> at like the worst time possible, like in between two shows. And, <laughs> but thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Okay. Thanks so very, very much. A special thanks to Gloria for being a guest on the show and being so patient for me, waiting for me to get this edited and posted. And I'm glad that I could bring this story to you. So again, if you're local, head over to Parliament the Boutique on South Division and check out Gloria's work in person. If you get that chance, I think you won't be disappointed. Also, I will have photos over at craftsanity.com, and I'll also post direct links so you can find out more about Gloria on your own. Thanks to all my listeners, and thank you to the Patreon sponsors, and everybody else that so kindly supports what I do. I haven't really found a good way to monetize this podcast so this isn't really a job so if some of you are wondering like why did it take her so long to get these art price things out it's because i don't make a living wage from this show i am kind of just throwing these out as fast as i can because honestly i love talking to artists i i feel like i mean this is something i would do for free and basically do for almost free right now because i really do love it so um this is me sharing what i love to do with all of you My status as a displaced journalist remains the same. I still feel pretty displaced. But I'm very hopeful that there's more I can contribute. And I am, you know, looking for the right opportunity to do that. And who knows, maybe I will get an opportunity to do a show like this, you know, maybe in a live format so I don't have to, like, have that lag time and delay. I can just talk, have a conversation, and then go talk to somebody else and have that conversation. I don't know because I don't have a radio voice. You know, I'm just Jennifer talking into a microphone to whoever will agree to be on my show. So yeah, we'll see where all this leads. But thank you kindly for those of you who've come along on the ride. And thank you for your patience. I will be back soon with a regular episode of the Craft Sanity podcast. Who knows, I might have a follow up show if someone I interviewed ends up winning. T Rockmore from episode 205 is a finalist in the jury vote category. And Melody Jackson from episode 206 is a finalist in the public vote category. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I did an interview with someone who ended up winning Art Prize before. So that's always really exciting when you get to know a person and you kind of get to enjoy their win. So there are plenty of people that I wish for finalists because I feel like all the people I interviewed, I love their stories and I love their work. And, and that's what makes our Prize, Art Prize not everyone wins but we'll see there might be a couple people that might be doing a victory dance on this show if i'm lucky enough to get those follow-up interviews we'll see how it all shakes out thanks again for tuning in folks i will be back soon with another episode in the meantime craft sanity my friends it works for me thank you for listening to this episode of the craft sanity podcast to support the show click the patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate one dollar a month
1: or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com Same time next